Pastor Ed Taylor says the evidence of your calling is the fruit. You can establish yourself in a variety of different callings, but that doesn't mean you're called there. That doesn't mean it's from the Lord. You have your website, you have your plan, you have everything about it. It's all set up for you. You have your so-called ministry, but really what shows that you're called is the fruit of your life. That's the truth, proof of your ministry. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for. Maybe you've been wondering lately, what is your calling? Has the Lord called you to pastoral ministry or maybe to lead the worship team at church or a small group Bible study? Today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor shows us the evidence of our calling is the fruit of our lives. We see an example of this in the Apostle Paul. And Pastor Ed will draw our attention to that through his message based in 1 Corinthians 8 and 9. The relationship between Paul the Apostle and the church in Corinth was obviously strained. And the main reason it was strained is because sin entered the church and did great damage. So much so that there weren't even any leaders to step up and help fix things. And by the time Paul gets word of this, he immediately puts his quill to paper and begins to write this letter to the church. As an apostle, Paul writes. As a church planter, Paul writes. As a pastor, Paul writes to them. He's got all of these emotions, no doubt, flowing through him as he is open to the Holy Spirit and open to be used by God to come alongside this church and help them grow. And there's a few options he had before him. You can jot them down and see that there's probably more than just the three I picked, but there's at least three options that are before him as he begins to write. I think the first one is he could ignore all of it, just pretend it isn't happening and chalk it up to the church's immaturity. That's really never a good choice from a place of leadership just to simply ignore things and pretend they're not happening or pretend they're not there. But that was an option before him. He heard about this. He heard about the troubles, and his choice could have been just to let it go. Secondly, he had the option of going to the church and pressing in hard on them, lording over them, coming alongside as if, as if he was a spiritual father but angry. And how could you do this? And what are you thinking? Thirdly, he could have just come alongside of them not ignoring things and not coming in heavy, but just come alongside of them in the power of the Holy Spirit and walk with them. At times, he had to be stern and direct, but at times when you speak the truth in love, you have to be stern and direct. But most of it is just him, hey, look, don't you guys see what's going on? This is what the truth is. And I think as you read through and you come to chapter 9, you see the heart of the pastor, Paul. You see him pastoring and shepherding the struggling church. He's trying to get them back on track, trying to get them back on course, trying to get their eyes back on the Lord, as any true pastor would. 
navigating through the troubled waters of the ministry there, wanting them to see what he sees. And I think any true spiritual leader, that's the motive, that you would just see it outside of the situation. You know how it is. You get so caught up in the midst of something. It can be so overwhelming. You're in the middle of it. And it takes somebody that's from the outside to say, no, 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 let me give you a point of view. Let, let, let's look at it from a different perspective. Let's see it from where the word of God. Let's open the word together. Let's look at a few scriptures to give an outside perspective spiritually. And in chapter 8, where we left off last time, the emphasis was being careful. He was telling the church then and us to be careful with our spiritual liberty. How often we think of our spiritual liberty in terms of what we want to do and how we are free to do that and how we can do what we want to do. And even you can cross the border sometimes where the attitude will be, you can't tell me what to do. How could you judge me? And on and on when someone's just really wanting to help you. They may have the wrong delivery or, you know, they may not share it as accurately as they could, but their heart is in the right place wanting you to be right with the Lord. And we often look at using our liberty of what we want to do, but Paul said, no, look at how to use your liberty in light of how your decision will affect someone else. We asked that question, when was the last time you really considered a freedom of yours and you considered how exercising that freedom would affect someone else? And that was what all chapter 8 was about. Learning how to use our liberties. Our liberties are limited by love, not legalism. When we make a decision to refrain from something, it's not a legalistic decision. It's a decision based on love for someone else. Loving God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and then loving our neighbors, ourselves. Although we might be able to do it, and it may not be sinful for us, and it may not be that big a deal, it's a gray area, we decide, no, 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 my love for you, my desire for your spiritual life, I'm going to withhold from that. I could do it, but I don't want to do it. It would stumble you. It could hurt you. Liberty is limited by love, not legalities, motivated to bless When we use our liberties, our motivation should be to bless others and not offend. And the lines couldn't be clearer. That was a difficulty for them. They were going into the, coming out of the pagan background and going right back in. And they weren't considering that there were those that were stumbled by it and they were eating meat. It was no big deal to them. But Paul said, hey, listen, be careful. Your life matters. People are watching your life. So notice verse 11 of chapter 8 will gain some context to jump into the beginning of chapter 9. And because of your knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. But when you thus sin against the brethren, that's a heavy phrase. It is possible for you to exercise your freedom and the action in and of itself not be sinful. But because what you did stumbled another brother, it can become sin. That's a powerful thing to meditate on. You can be involved in a gray area of life that is neither sin or not not that big a deal in the big picture. When you isolate, though, the people in your life and you've stumbled someone in that area, you can sin against your brethren and wound their weak conscience. And when you do that, Paul said, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never again eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. Am I not an apostle? little bit of a change, you notice. You sense in Paul's tone as he turns, there's no chapter breaks, no verse references in the Greek language, so it just reads straight through. 
at the end of chapter 8, verse 13, uh, lest I make my brother stumble, am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? Paul is establishing his motives, writing to them. Aren't I an apostle? His apostleship was being brought under question, trying to undermine his leadership. And one thing I've noticed, and you've probably seen it too, I heard it once said that the devil loves to fish in troubled waters. And as the church in Corinth is going through all this trouble and all these difficulties, the devil's not too far behind trying to take advantage of them, trying to distance them. It seems as if in the church in Corinth, the leadership had already compromised and weren't as strong as they could have been. So here's this strong leader that comes and sees it with fresh eyes and begins to say, look at this, look at this, come on, guys. And there was this stream, this theme within the church, don't listen to Paul. He's not trustworthy. He's not even a real apostle. Now that would be a pretty, that'd be a pretty personal accusation that as I'm ministering, just put myself in that, in that realm and put myself in that picture and I'm involved in something and, and there's a battle going on in the church, which praise God, we have been spared from anything like that in the 10 years that we've been together. There's always been skirmishes and there's always been battles as the enemy tries to, to do havoc and wreak havoc in the church. But we haven't ever had to get to this place where I've got to come in and there's this great battle and this huge church split. And, and it's really unfortunate. And the, you can hear the accusation as I come in and come on, guys, don't you see it? And, and, and you can hear the people, you're not even a real pastor, man. Where's your degree? Where'd you go to school? You know, here you are. You just take it upon yourself. It, it would be... It would be taken personally. Your motive is just to help, and the enemy, if he can't get you to the head, he's going to go right to the heart and start going after you personally. I don't know if you've ever been attacked personally, but it sure does knock you off your feet. It sure does get you a little uneasy and off balance. And with the troubles in the Corinthian church, there were those that were there that were questioning the authority and the leadership of Paul. And Paul asked, aren't I an apostle? My motives are pure. I'm free. I'm writing to you as a free person. I've seen Jesus Christ the Lord, which, by the way, was one of the requirements of an apostle. They had to have seen the risen Lord. And he begins to lay his credibility before you. And then he says, aren't you guys my work in the Lord? Or another way of asking that is, hasn't God used me in your life? Haven't you grown through the ministry that God has given to me? Aren't you the result of my dedication and my love of Jesus and my service to you? He says in verse 2, if I am not an apostle to others, yet doubtless I am to you. It's an appeal to logic and reason. It would be similar if, if we got into something here and I'd say, haven't you been here for five years? Didn't we walk through that with you? Didn't we help you overcome that? Weren't we standing at the bedside with you? Didn't we lay hands on you to see you get healed and you got healed? Didn't we? And you start to walk through as you begin to think of all the opportunities of ministry to be reminded of, hey, haven't, hasn't God used us in your life? That has to be a real tough place to be, to try to establish the ministry when it's pretty clear. Paul says he's an apostle, and he's a true apostle. He was speaking with apostolic authority. And if they needed any proof, they could just look at their own lives. I could say that about my pastor, Jeff. I walked into a Calvary chapel like this, as lost as lost could be. 
And God used that man and the teaching of the word of God through that man to save me. To open a channel of the Holy Spirit to convict me. And then through eight years of sitting under Pastor Jeff Johnson, I was discipled and I grew. And the people, the men and the women that he had alongside of him, that came alongside and ministered to me and helped me grow. And I served with them and I submitted to them. Pastor Jeff could easily say this to me. Hey, Ed, haven't God, hasn't God used me in your life? And I would have to say yes. Very much so, even to this day. I listen to his Bible studies and receive from him as God uses him in my life. But when you're put on the defense, you just got to be careful of this when you're battling in relationships. When you're put on the defense, it's really hard to convince someone of your sincerity. It's really hard to convince someone of your motives. It might even get frustrating as you begin to see things a little bit more clearer than the other person does because they're the ones that are attacking and they're the ones that are trying to stir up the water and they're the ones that don't seem to have this connection with the Holy Spirit. But you're there saying, no, no, come on, come on, no, let's see it this way. Paul's in a place of defense, and he says in verse 3, my defense to those that examine me is this. This was no small matter. I don't want you to miss this. The word examine is a word that we get from the court system. He was being examined like a witness on the witness stand. He was being cross-examined by those that were trying to undermine him. And he's just sitting there like, hey, hasn't God used me in your life? Hasn't God blessed your life through the ministry? Like before we ever met, Paul could say, didn't God bring me to the city? Didn't it change things? He was, he's not trying to puff himself up here. That's another thing that happens when you try to defend yourself. Then it sounds like you're really trying to puff yourself up. You're trying to, and, and there are times where you need to stand firm like Paul, and there's times you just need to let the Lord do it. Just step back and allow God to clear things up. Turn over, let me show you something else in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. You could cross-reference this here. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says something even more clearer of how God used him in their lives. Just like God is using you in people's lives. God is using your personal walk, your dedication, your prayer life. When you share a scripture, God is using it. When you pray with someone, when you show up to a hospital and visit someone, when you're there, when tough times are, are there, you, when you open your home, all the things that, that God is doing through your life, all the little things that maybe even people don't even know. You know, so often we have these opportunities to get involved in ministry here. One of them uh, just recently was we asked for some help with the outreach that the ladies are going, going to do to the Champa house. And we said, hey, if you want to, sponsor a woman then then here's the opportunity to sponsor a woman and not only did did the women that we were looking for get sponsored but God did above and beyond to bless those women God's going to use you as one of the announcements just pricks your heart you go that's where my gifting is that I want to support that I want to come alongside of it God's using you and you're marking people's lives I don't want you to let the enemy lie to you and go oh you're no good you don't make any difference that's not true you make all the difference in the world. And Satan would like to put you on the sidelines. Would like you to think that, wow, who are you and what do you know? Hey, you're a child of the king, friend. You are in Christ Jesus. You are washed with the blood of the lamb. You can see clearly. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You have a sensitivity and the work of discernment to be able to be used of the Lord. Just think about it this way. Right now in your heart of hearts, you actually have this desire and care for other people. Where did that come from? You care for people. 
You, you see something on the news now, and, and you might have an emotional response, but that emotional response comes because you care. You actually care. You care about your kids and your grandkids. You care about your nieces and nephews. You care about your neighbors and your coworkers. Why? Because your life makes a difference. Don't let the, don't let the devil lie to you, push you into a corner. Who are you? And then you start beating yourself up and you don't want to help anymore and you're not getting involved anymore. It becomes too hard or you get hurt or difficulties come. And uh, that's just the way it is. That's life. If you were to go away and run away to a cave somewhere and just be by yourself, you'd end up hurting yourself. That's just the way it is. You can't run away from the calling of God. Look, look what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. He writes to the same church. He says, do we again begin to commend ourselves? Or do we need, as some others, epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? Again, he's still under attack. And it was common for reference letters to come through. He says, do we, is that what we need from you? Like, don't you remember me? Don't you know me? And then he says, you are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. You are manifestly an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. Isn't that beautiful? Paul says, you guys are proof of my ministry. You guys, the fact that there's a church in Corinth is proof that God has used Paul. The fact that there are people that can take this letter and read it is proof. The fact of changed lives, of people being delivered, of lives being changed, of marriages being restored, of ministry taking place, Paul says, I don't need any letter from anyone. You're my letter. The fact that you're even reading this from me, I could hear Paul, that, that just shows me you, you're, you're the proof. And I want you to know something. It's easy, it's easy for someone to establish themselves with a calling. It's even easy for you to establish yourself with your own calling. A calling of such and such. You can even print out business cards. It says your name and your ministry. This is my calling. You could put up a website. You can establish yourself in a variety of different callings. But that doesn't mean you're called there. That doesn't mean it's from the Lord. You have your website. You have your plan. You have everything about it. It's all set up for you. You have your so-called ministry. But really what shows that you're called is the fruit of your life. That's the true proof of your ministry. It's not your business card. It's not your website. It's not your attempt to gather people. The true, the trueness of your ministry is the fruit that comes from your lives. That's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12. You can jot it down. Verse 33. Either make the tree good and it's fruit good or else make the tree bad and it's fruit bad for a tree is known by its fruit isn't that true don't you know that to be true you go out into your backyard and there is a tree with apples on it what kind of tree is it it's an orange tree right no it's an apple tree and apple trees produce what apples so that if you were to say to me hey pastor ed i have the calling of evangelist the proof isn't the fact that you tell me you have the calling of evangelist the truth is are people getting saved because if people are getting saved by your calling to evangelists, that's all the proof that we need. You'll see 
in the path of your life, you'll see people getting saved because your heart is just to share the gospel. Your heart is because God has designed you as an evangelist, then there's going to be fruit from your life. There are going to be people getting saved. So no, and I have a, the, the calling of pastor teacher. Well, then the fruit of your life will be when you say something from the word, people get it and you teach them. I know Pastor Jeff used to always tell us, and I do the same thing here. As God is establishing you and you start to sense the work of God in your life, if you have the gift of teaching, then go downstairs, fill out your ministry application, have your interview, go through all the background, and start teaching the kids. Oh, no, 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 Ed, that's not my calling. I didn't say anything about, my card doesn't say teaching the kids. No, no, if you can teach kids, you can teach anyone. If you can take the glorious, powerful truths of the scriptures and bring them down to a level to children, oh, wow, you're gifted. God's using you. And there's fruit from your life as the kiddos go home and they start talking about the giftedness of their Sunday school teacher. Some of you have that testimony in your life. You still remember gifted Sunday school teachers in your life that impacted you at 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. And even in the history of our own church, the kids that have grown up here have memories of these faithful, sold-out servants, unknown and unseen for the most part, that have impacted the lives of these kiddos and planted the seeds of the gospel in their hearts. So as they grow up, God continues to flourish that seed in their heart. Just because you have a business card and a website doesn't mean you have a calling. What's the fruit of your life? Today on Abounding Grace, we've learned that the proof of our calling is the fruit in our life. This is part of Pastor Ed Taylor's study of 1 Corinthians. And Pastor Ed, maybe someone listening right now is wondering what their calling is. In light of what you were just talking about, what steps can they take to discover what that is? Is there something else to look for other than the fruit? You know, there is, Larry. Um, I would point directly toward what the gifts of the Spirit are in Romans chapter 12. One of the ways to, to discover your calling, because God already has it upon your life, it's just a matter of you discovering it, is to know where He has spiritually gifted you. And so we did a series, it's available on our website and on our app, just go to your app store and search Calvary Aurora, A-U-R-O-R-A, and go through the seven primary motivational spiritual gifts mentioned in Romans chapter 12. And I believe as you go through that series uh, on the Holy Spirit and the specific gifts of the Holy Spirit, these seven, when you discover your gift, then you'll then discover where it best fits in the body of Christ why God gifted you. First, you find out what God gifted you with, then you find out why God gifted you. And, you know, the gifts of mercy uh, puts a person into an area of serving others and ministering to others in compassion and love, where the gift of teaching is more more of a didactic type of gifting, where you find your, your calling in that realm of teaching and leadership and and the gifts there are prophecy, if you're strong, if you, if you love to use the word in a strong way. And once you find, once you find what you're gifting is, then your calling really follows. And then you begin to test that within the body of Christ. You begin to pray through and see how God uses you at work and how he uses you in the home and how he uses you in the world. But the, the church is a great way to test whether you're, what your gifting is and let, let spiritual men and women in your life validate and confirm to you 
what that gifting is. And, and maybe even say, no, not, not just validate and confirm, but say, you know, have you ever considered this? That's, I like what Skip, Pastor Skip Heitzig taught us. Uh, and, and he says, as the pastors and leaders, we're to be divine talent scouts. And one of my roles is to recognize uh, gifting and fruit in a man or a woman's life and encourage them in it. And, and, it's, and, and the Lord uses me that way to validate giftings and, and just to be on the way, because when you're on the way, the Lord then leads. Great question. Thanks for asking. Again, you can find that series Pastor Ed mentioned on the Holy Spirit on our app by searching for Calvary Aurora. Each month, Pastor Ed recommends a book that he believes will be of some help to your walk in Christ. And here in the month of May, he's picked out The Holy Land Key by Ray Bentley. The Holy Land Key is a real eye-opener to little-known aspects of prophecy. You'll learn how God's master plan is revealed in the seven feasts of the Lord and the significant prophetic patterns discovered in the lunar cycle, as well as receive glimpses of God's future kingdom as revealed in the stories of well-known figures in the Bible. We'll send this your way when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Give us a call at 877-30-GRACE or make a secure donation online at calvaryco.church. That's 877-30-GRACE. Those that prefer to write, here's our mailing address, Abounding Grace, Post Office Box 460598, Aurora, Colorado, 80046. Glad you've taken time out for our study in the Word in 1 Corinthians. Join Pastor Ed Taylor all week long as we continue to learn how to live by God's abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 